Hello, trading friends, and welcome back to the Tasty Live Network for your Monday edition of In This Economy. I'm your host, Frank Caberna, guiding you on your Monday tour of the inner workings of our economic ecosystem and organism moving around here quite a bit. Uh, big movement on the open last night, especially in the commodity world. We'll get to that in a second. We had a nice rally in stock world, and then they gave all of that back, especially if your small cap stocks, Russell, got uh, absolutely hammered here today after it looked like it was going to be a bullish start to the week in equities, not so much concluding so on the close here on Monday, but plenty ahead of us. And uh, it's a, a real nice economic calendar moving forward as well. We'll get to that later on those individual items, but a lot of stuff will be shifting around here this week, especially interest rate markets. But as uh, the trading heads out there know, interest rate markets have been shaking up stock markets and currency markets, really the whole uh, economic shebang, so to speak. Um, but our main story for today will be around flight to quality assets. If we can bring up our slides and let the people see what they're going to be hearing from Frank for the next uh, uh, 25 odd minutes. We're going to define flight to quality assets, give you uh, not only the definition, but show you some of the price action around flight to quality assets. Compare that to the opposite of flight to quality assets, which would be risk on assets like the stock market, uh, and then conclude with is flight to quality black and white? Is it a matter of some markets like gold and bonds are just risk off and other markets like stocks and crude oil are risk on, uh, as you all might uh, be inferring from my speech, it is not so black and white. It's quite a nuanced world that we live in, but we're going to give you plenty of takeaways uh, for your future trading in flight to quality assets and how they compare to stocks. We're going to give you another natural gas update as that market just won't quit when it comes to volatility. And then finally, concluding today's show with the economic calendar for the rest of your week. Like I say, you're not going to want to miss that one because there are a hell of a lot of items on the docket for this week and plenty of stuff moving back and forth, uh, though we didn't see really much sustained action in one direction or the other. We had stocks rallying uh, to start the day, selling off to close the day. We had bonds rallying to start the day, selling off to close the day. Uh, it was a matter of each section of our uh, economic ecosystem here um, seeing two-sided action, not only in the broad market, but those individual pieces. You had Apple up 2% today, up more than that on the open. Uh, there, uh, a, a real big move in our stock market's largest stock. Um, and then you had stocks like Lululemon down uh, a good portion. Honestly, given Apple's big market cap and large weighting in S&P 500 and uh, the NASDAQ and Dow Jones, there, um, it really felt like that rally in Apple was holding up the stock market. One of those rare days where the majority of stocks were trading in the red, but the uh, stocks that were trading in the green 
we're such a are, are such a large market cap that the stock market indices were actually green. Uh, again, not all stocks created equal in uh, this way where you can have majority of single stocks trading red, but the stock market trading green, because if you have Apple and Google <laughs> trading green, that's almost half the stock market uh, there between those two stocks. I'm, I'm being a little hyperbolic, but that's like 20% of the S&P 500 and more than a quarter of the NASDAQ. You throw Microsoft in there and you're almost at half of the NASDAQ. Uh, in commodity world, also some two-sided action. As you saw, crude oil up a percentage point today. Uh, crude oil trading in the red starting the day and last night, and then rallying back to be up almost a, a buck uh, here today. A pretty nice move there in crude. And then it's en energy brother, natural gas, down 14%, got absolutely smacked on last night's open, down about 8%, and then traded uh, another 6% lower throughout Asia, Europe, and the U.S. session here today. Uh, Euro continuing to be the strongest currency of the last couple of weeks. Um, that is strongest non-U.S. dollar currency, as most of the currencies we look at trade against the U.S. dollar. Um, it's been a lot of red action for the yen and the Australian dollar, you can see down almost a full percentage point today. Uh, the Canadian dollar trading off the last couple of weeks, all against the U.S. dollar. So, of course, the U.S. dollar has been quite strong the last few weeks here, but euro hanging in pretty good, up half a percentage point here today when I think every other major currency on the board was uh, trading in the red for all of today and closed in the red. Interesting trades going on uh, back and forth. What was a good trade last week and could shape up to be another uh, good trade here this week was euro versus pound. The euro rallied pretty good against uh, the British pound. Very high correlation there. And then that spread came in a little bit. Maybe euro and Australian dollar, less of a correlation, still positively correlated, but not as high as euro to British pound. Maybe there's uh, some some closure in that widening spread. Um, you know, more than a percentage point worth of change between two currencies in a given day. That's a lot. Uh, always keep in mind back of the envelope math for currencies. Implied volatility around 10% for some of them, like the euro, less than 10% implied volatility. That's telling you that on an annual basis. A currency is expected to move around 10%, let's call it 5 to 15%. And so a movement of a percentage point in any given day, that's a pretty big move there. Uh, I mean, it'd be a big move for a week to see a currency move by one percentage point in Euro versus Aussie moving by more than one percentage point here to kick off our trading week. It's only Monday, so plenty of stuff uh, to trade here, intraday and swing trade. I'm going to be looking at those Forex spreads. But let's get into our main segment for today, defining flight to quality. And I'll start with some actual definitions here. Flight to quality gets tossed around a lot, can be used as a noun or an adjective, a, a ton of different ways. One of, one of those uh, terms that can mean so much and mean, as we'll see here in a second, maybe nothing at all. But how I would define it is the act of selling risk on to buy risk off assets that's often done with vigor in times of economic stress. When the stock market is kind of humming along, you know, drifting positively like we saw in 
um, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, flight to quality doesn't get brought up uh, very much. Of course, there are flight to quality assets, the adjective there, an asset uh, considered less risky than stocks that could increase in value during uncertain times. Those flight to quality assets like bonds and gold are always around, but in um, relatively stable times, like I say, uh, 17, 18, 19, they don't get brought up so much because they're just kind of trading in what I would deem no man's land, bouncing around as stocks drift higher. But when you see economic stress or uncertain times, uh, which usually is correlated to stocks moving lower, that's when flight to quality assets start showing up more in your Twitter feed and in uh, Google search, news items, everything else, and they tend to be rallying. There is a flight to quality from those risk on assets like stocks that are maybe moving lower because of economic stress or uncertain times. That's what this looks like here. Go back to the pandemic's start in early 2020 as news is coming out late Feb, early March of that year. 10-year notes or, you know, what, of course, here's, here's a quick aside, two-year, five-year, 10-year treasury notes, 30-year treasury bond Let's all just call them bonds. It's the bond market at this point. Um, but bonds rallying as the pandemic uh, news is coming out. Gold saw a little whiplash back and forth there, but ended up rallying as the pandemic news comes out throughout the spring and summer of 2020. Um, and, and this is what I would call is probably our most recent flight to quality, genuine flight to quality. The stock market falls in February and March of that year. Times are very, very uncertain. It's, it's pretty much all we heard for that year in 2020 is uh, uncertain times, uncertain times. Uh, and, and that coincided with uh, 10-year notes and, and uh, the bond market at large rallying, causing interest rates to fall. Keep in mind that interest rates and bond prices are inversely measured. So everybody's looking to buy up these safe assets, these these this government debt, these treasury notes and bonds. And as they're buying them up, the prices are moving higher and rates are moving lower. And that makes sense, right? I, I really just want something stable, something safe. And so I'll buy this thing regardless of what the interest rate is. And so that supply and demand shifts there as the flight to quality pours into the bond market, uh, people are willing to take lower and lower interest rates. Uh, and gold doesn't even bear interest. It's a non-interest bearing asset, but people in those uh, the stressful times, uncertain times are like, man, I'll, I'll bury my money in this gold here that isn't liable to movements in uh, the economy at large or a region's currency or, or what have you. It's just uh, deemed as this safe haven asset. And then as more stuff comes out, we start to, sp to speak to solutions to this pandemic. Uh, oh, it's, you know, uh, the effect of it is lessening, lessening, lessening uh, throughout the later part of 2020 and 2021 there these flight to quality assets start to fall in price. There's not as much demand for them, right? And, the, and their prices lower there. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. You would expect to see this flight to quality 
um, part of the definition there is I'm selling my risk on assets. I'm selling my stocks and my crude oils, whatever is deemed uh, uh, risky uh, there, or not necessarily uh, risky, but uh, what is intended to do well when people are feeling good and the economy is prospering, a risk on asset there, you would expect, coinciding with this chart, a mirror image of stocks falling and staying low and then starting to rally back in the latter part of 2020 and the early part of 2021. As I bring stocks in, though, what's really interesting is that they start rallying back in the spring of 2020. By, the, by summer of 2020 here, stocks are, are getting ready to make new all-time highs again. They're ready to eclipse their prices of uh, pre-pandemic there. And gold and bonds are actually making highs. You can see almost in the middle of this graphic, highs in 10-year notes and gold around August, September of 2020. And the stock market around the same time is, like I say, eclipsing those pre-pandemic prices. And so as economic fear is subsiding, if you were just looking at the flight to quality assets, you would have thought that that hadn't occurred until 2021. But stocks, at least, uh, are telling you that that fear is subsiding actually much earlier than that. Um, and so this becomes a situation of like, is one of these wrong? Or is this situation a little bit more nuanced than we thought? Um, and of course, uh, nothing is ever wrong. The market is efficient, and, and it's going to shift um, con almost continuously as news and, and other things come out. Um, but it is weird that our flight to quality markets aren't subsiding directly with fear in the stock market. I um, mean, you essentially have uh, an environment there for the second half of 2020 where flight to quality and their antithesis, risk on markets, are all making new highs, um, uh, kind of some weird action there. And of course, if you dig into what was going on there, um, you would find, well, one, of course, bond markets are staying high. Uh, the Fed at that time was talking about how they're going to keep interest rates low, low, low uh, until we're really out of the woods with the pandemic. And uh, gold is starting to, to kind of get, honestly, ahead of some of the um, potential inflation worries, I would say, by staying high. And actually, really, th that breakout above $2,000 in gold was a big news story at the time there. And I would guess that uh, since it was happening as stocks were performing well, that that was the gold market saying, hey, man, if they're going to keep interest rates low here, and they're doing all this stuff to, to keep money cheap and flying around um, as we're all staying inside in the pandemic there, um, then gold might be ahead of these inflation worries, whatever it was there. Um, but then, of course, you have stocks rallying back because of how quick the Fed and um, uh, other uh, global central banks were to provide uh, an easy quantitative environment for companies. And then, of course, it, it just started to set in that, hey, man, maybe staying at home and, and uh, this, this cheaper money for companies to borrow is really good for tech stocks, especially that really took off um, 
I don't want to say as a function of the pandemic, but it, it, a lot of that upside was because of the pandemic, especially when you look at stocks like uh, Zoom and Peloton and everything else that have now, of course, subsided a little bit. Anyways, I digress. I want to bring us into the here and now and take a look at what we've been seeing because this trend that uh, kicked in in the middle of 2020 uh, after uh, the pandemic fears are starting to dissipate has actually really continued. I mean, look at how crazy this is that you have gold, bonds, and the stock market very highly correlated. Um, I, I mean, these, if I was to take the legend off this chart, I would have, and someone said, hey, Frank, what are these three line graphs? I would be like, oh, man, is that like Apple, Google, and Microsoft? Like, three decently correlated stock markets that are uh, that are just moving in the same general direction, but to varying degrees. No, this is the, the same bond market, gold and stock market, stocks and flight to quality falling in 2022. Uh, in the same time that you have the S&P 500 falling by 20%, bonds fall and gold is pretty much unchanged. And so, it creates this this question again is is one of these markets wrong or are we not in a true flight to quality environment because another interesting piece that a lot of people have called out for the last year of trading is um volatility around the stock market option premiums aren't really climbing even though the stock market is down like i say you know 20 percent depending on where you're looking uh, here and it's bounced back a little bit, but it, amid the sell-off, we didn't see nearly the heights in option premiums and uh, stock implied volatility in 2022 as we did at the outset of the pandemic. And this calls into question this relationship. It's not so simple as selling stocks to buy flight to quality. There needs to be a real sense of fear, of uncertainty. And when stocks are falling for the last year like they have, pretty much as a function of um, people anticipating higher interest rates and that kind of curbing stock growth, then you wouldn't expect necessarily gold and bonds to be rallying. Of course, higher interest rates from the Fed are quite literally the antithesis of high bond prices. Every time the Fed hikes interest rates, that is coinciding with bond prices, uh, treasury note prices and treasury bill prices usually falling in price. And so that piece is kind of negated. And then gold, again, only really rallies when there's a real sense of like, where are things going? We're, we're really uncertain. We, we are genuinely fearful. Um, and you saw that rally a little bit in gold. Uh, you see there at the start and middle of 2022, when inflation started to uptick, and we were like, we don't know where inflation is going. And so where does that leave us with these flight to quality assets? Uh, stocks likely have to fall further for bonds um, and gold to rally here. Uh, I, I think we would have to see um, probably another 10 to 20% fall in the S&P 500 for us to see bond prices get back up 
close to uh, the middle of the range or highs for the last couple of years. Same with gold here, because if stocks just fall another couple percentage points, it's just going to be essentially uh, uh, owing to the higher interest rate environment. And that's known, that's, that's relatively known that our interest rates are gonna get a little bit higher and they're gonna stay there. Uh, unknown is what really shocks uh, these markets here. And, and of course, the, the, um, the crux here doesn't necessarily have to be the stock market falling. It could be something that causes the stock market to fall and causes these markets to move, uh, you know, every which way. And I think a lot of people are looking towards inflation for that. Um, inflation, though it's still a high-level fear, got as high as 9% last year and is down to about 6%. If we saw some inflation readings by the middle or end of this year that were 8 9 10%, I, I would, again, expect that flight to quality, especially gold, maybe not so much bonds, would really climb. Um, we don't have that right now. We have a 20% uh, fall in the stock market, but not really coinciding with a genuine unforeseen fear. That's pretty much coinciding with higher rates. Uh, and so... It, it, flight to quality not looking like in, in very high demand here, um, but that's the, the hard game with trading flight to quality is you kind of have to get ahead of this stuff, um, get ahead of something that's unknown, um, which is pretty much an oxymoron uh, here uh, to make money off this thing. Because if you are pitching, you know, oh, I'm buying gold or I'm buying bonds because uh, inflation is high. It's like <clears throat> these markets already know inflation is high. Um, now, the thing would be if inflation gets really high, that's a shock. Or like we saw in 2020, this pandemic comes out of nowhere. Or like we saw in 2007, 2008, this financial crisis comes out of nowhere. Uh, that's when you see uh, a genuine flight to quality right now, not looking uh, like such. And I think that's a good note to conclude on there is um, if stocks start to fall and they really start to gain some steam down 5%, 10%, maybe there's a play in uh, fleeing to that quality, so to speak, before everyone else. But um, trying to get ahead of something that's unknown, trying to predict an unknown is a very tough game. And that's where you have a lot of uh, talking heads on different um, uh, financial media speaking to oh i think gold's going to 4000 because of x y and z and they usually come off as crazy because that's kind of a crazy thing but i will leave that there and we will conclude the flight to quality segment and get on to natural gas losing steam here my friends this has been a really interesting one to watch um if you're used to trading natural gas you might say winter is ending frank the fun is over this market staying volatile throughout the spring and summer just like it did last year and we'll see if it continues uh the tough it'll be tough uh, for natural gas's volatility to continue if it can't pick up past three bucks got up to close the week last week above three dollars just edged above three dollars in natural gas gaps lower yesterday on the close down eight percent and ends today down more than 13 percent uh rough starts to the week for natural gas um and this is <laughs> I tried to assign something to it. Weather forecasts are not as cold and natural gas inventories projected higher than uh, expected. 
I, I don't read too much into natural gas news. It, it was really funny last week. They were t saying the rally is because they're expecting the last weeks of winter to be colder than expected. It's March. I don't think anyone really cares about the winter forecasts. Um, the forecasts are in for the next two weeks, at least the rest of March. Um, it, it's just going to be a price action game. If there's less supply or more demand for natural gas, and, and uh, there has been the last year more demand for natural gas in the summer months as they're using it in North America here to power more stuff, not just heating buildings, um, then you'll see a rise. The, the forecast thing, I think, is uh, irrelevant, though, but we'll see supply and demand. We'll see natural gas, if it's going to have a volatile spring and summer, it's got to hold above $3. Otherwise, I think we'll just trade between two and three bucks uh, here. At least that's what's been happening uh, since the what I would call the end of winter. And finally, rates, rates, rates on the docket for this week, a big economic calendar. Monday night, uh, here we have the Australian rate decision. That's going to be a really interesting one. Australian dollar down almost a percentage point today in anticipation, maybe thinking that they're not going to hike rates as much as expected. Fed Chair Powell giving a testimony tomorrow. That'll be dissected heavily. We'll see our interest rates move around on that. Japanese rate decision on Thursday. They're still in negative. Are they going to go positive? The yen has gotten crushed pretty bad the last couple of weeks after it looked like it was out of the woods. Non-farm payrolls on Friday. Holy smokes, going to be a hell of a week, especially for interest rates and currency markets. And of course, that'll uh, go on to stocks and everything else. But watch for all of that good stuff, my friends. And that is going to do it for your Monday edition of In This Economy. Thanks so much for watching, my friends. Stay tuned to the Tasty Live Network for more great stuff coming your way. I'll be here tomorrow. Have a great trade, everybody. Peace. The content of this podcast is created, produced, and provided solely by Tasty Life Inc. and does not represent the direct views or opinions of any of its affiliated companies. This content is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be trading or investment advice or a recommendation that any security, futures contract, digital asset, other product, transaction, or investment strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities, futures products, and digital assets involve risk and may result in a loss greater than the original amount invested. Tasty Live Inc., through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. The information provided may not be appropriate for all investors and is provided without respect to individual investor financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tasty Live Inc. is not a licensed financial advisor, registered investment advisor, or registered broker-dealer.